Amen, amen. Well, I just feel like we have just been to church already today. Amen? Such a privilege to have a guest with us today. I have known Pastor Ashley from afar, like we have been acquaintances, but actually never met. And so I was so excited to spend time with her and just have a holy assurance that God has been speaking to her on our behalf. Amen? And so in a moment, I'm going to invite Pastor Ashley Gage to come forward. She is the associate chaplain at our Northwest Nazarene University. She flew all the way from Nampa, Idaho to be here with us, and we're just thankful to have her. Would you join me in making Pastor Ashley feel welcome? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm in Arkansas. This is so fun, so fun. See a few familiar faces. Um, My husband and I are actually, um, we are alma mater of Southern Nazarene University. So for our Crimson Storm fans in the room, um, we we do have a history uh, there as well. So the first thing that I would love to do We do this in our chapel space um, on the campus of NNU, and so I'm going to do it here. We ask a question, or we ask each other to check in on each other. And so as we have sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit here already, I would invite you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to share one space that you have seen or experienced the goodness of God in the last seven days. So turn to your neighbor, have a little conversation, ready, set, go. God is good. Can I get an amen? Yes, all the time. God is good. For the last seven days or so, I have been focused on you. (laughs) I have, it's been more than seven days since Pastor Jenny started this conversation, but but specifically over the last seven days, I have allowed myself to be in a posture that would allow me to come along this journey that Pastor Jenny has had you on in regards to this idea or this theme of prayer. Such an important place for us to be. And I will tell you, as I sat or I stood down here, I had a divine moment of remembering the goodness of God. Because the way that God has impressed upon my heart over the last seven days and the words that we have sung and we have heard through scripture, you guys, I did not tell Pastor Jenny where I was going with these passages, but the Lord knew. The Lord knew. And so this morning we are going to talk about a posture that we enter in when we are called to live lives of prayer. And this posture is a posture of faith. Thanks be to God. His faithful love endures forever. We have heard this, 
And so I invite you in just a few moments as we open the scripture, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians first, but I'd invite you to step in as today we are going to talk about how our posture of prayer cultivates faithfulness in our lives, a response to a faithful God. So just a brief overview. Yes, I uh, serve on the campus of Northwest Nazarene University. Um, my role is basically as a campus pastor. So I get to pastor a lot of like 18 through 22, 23-year-olds um, on that campus, as well as serve a community with faculty and staff, and it's a joy to my heart. My spouse is a worship pastor. You know, just like Pastor Jenny said, sometimes, you know, you have to marry them to get the songs that you would like. <laughs> just joking. He actually uh, stepped into ministry over 20 years ago, and we have been um, all over the space um, in the Church of the Nazarene. Our journey has taken us from Texas to Florida to Kansas, and then for the last eight years, we have been in Nampa, Idaho where the Lord impressed on my heart to step into vocational ministry in a different way. I served as a connections pastor at the Nampa College Church campus for a few years, and then just about three years ago, stepped in right across the street into the university context. My husband and I have four children. We have a son who is 18, a daughter who is 14, and then we have twin boys, just laughed a little bit at God when that happened. <laughs> twin boys who are in the fifth grade. So this is a big season in our lives. I saw twins, I think, going by, dumping their alabaster offering in, and I thought, oh, I remember those days. Hang in there, parents, whoever, whoever's children those are, hang in there. You've got this. You've got this. The goodness of God, the faithfulness of God has been a theme, a thread throughout my life. And so when I open the book of Ephesians and I hear Paul's words to the church of Ephesus, I connect with his passion. I connect with his passion. And you see, as we walk and we work as congregations, as we work as individuals to understand prayer, we understand that it's so multifaceted. Prayer is intimate. It's private. Sometimes it's without word. It's in silence. But prayer is also communal and corporate and public. It's a proclamation. And it is also a lament. It is so multifaceted. And so as we look at the words of Paul, specifically in chapter 3, I want us to dive in. And so if we need just a little bit of background here, um, Ephesus is kind of a happening place. It's a central hub of commerce, but in that, there were a lot of different religions, little g-gods that were pulling the people's attention and so Paul had been commissioned, we remember in 19, to go to the ends of the earth, to spread the gospel of this good news everywhere he went. And so he had a lot of work to do in Ephesus with the Ephesians. 
but he sees a faithful people. As we open our Bibles, let's go to chapter 3, and we're going to start right here in verse 14. Paul's prayers to the Ephesians starts like this. It says, this is why I kneel before the Father, that every ethnic group in heaven and on earth is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith as a result of having strong roots in love. I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width, height, length, and depth together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. Amen. As we look at this prayer, many scholars think that this prayer in chapter 3 is a continuation of how Paul started in chapter 1 in the book of Ephesians. Specifically, he says in verse 15, Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, this is the reason I don't stop giving thanks to God for you when I remember you in my prayers. You see, Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's writing this letter to a people who he finds are exhibiting a posture of faithfulness, are exhibiting a willingness to be open to this transformational story that God has provided. And it's this word faith that I feel like Paul is wanting us to center on today. I feel like not only was he praying a powerful prayer, but he was giving a bit of instruction to the Ephesians. He was giving them insight into a posture. You see, Paul is crying out on behalf of his brothers and sisters. He was crying out this deep desire for the church, the capital C church in Ephesus that they would be filled with the love of God. And Paul moves into this specific request for the people in verse 16. And Paul begins to ask God to strengthen them. And that Paul would give, uh, that, sorry, that Paul prays that God would give them a fresh incoming anointing of strength and power so they could keep moving forward. Paul, of all people, understands that this journey of faith is not easy. That the burdens that we carry, that they carry, can weigh us down. And it can be hard to keep moving forward and taking the next step so that they can live out the calling that God has for them. As this word faith kept rising up within me, it then sparked me to go to see more examples of faith within scripture. And for those of us who have been raised in the church, you probably understand where I'm headed here. 
When we talk about faith, there's one specific kind of chapter that we even call the Hall of Faith that takes us over to Hebrews 11. As I understand faith and as I press into this journey, I understand that faithfulness must be cultivated. For Paul in that prayer, for us to take and have roots planted deep in love, something has to cultivate that soil. Faithfulness. And so, as we go, we see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, gives us an understanding of a little definition of what faith is. It says, faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. The elders in the past were approved because they showed faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by a word from God, so that the visible became into existence from the invisible. You see, all of those verses, right down, we start to get these by faith statements. These by faith statements, by faith Abel, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Noah. Each of these statements shows us how the faithfulness of each of these people was cultivated in each of their lives as they were led by the promises of God. Each of them individually have stories that we see all throughout Scripture, mainly Old Testament, some in the New. Faithfulness is cultivated. But here's the kicker. In verse 13, it says, All of these people died in faith without receiving the promises, but they saw the promises from a distance and welcomed them. They confess that they were strangers and immigrants on earth. People who say this kind of thing make it clear that they are looking for a homeland. If they had been looking about the country they had had left, they would have had the opportunity to return to it. But at this point in time, they were longing for a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God isn't ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. Faithfulness is cultivated. Let's go on a journey for a bit. We are in this month that is designated here in the U.S. as Black History Month. It calls us into a season of remembrance. It finds us here, right in this moment, going back to Maryland in 1822, roughly, where we find Minty Ross. Araminta was her full name, and she was born to enslaved parents, Harriet Green and Ben Ross, and we would know Minty as Harriet Tubman. Throughout her journey as an enslaved person, Harriet survived treacherous and torturous predicaments until she was able to escape slavery in 1849. She would then go back and become what they call the conductor of this underground railroad, this underground secret path to liberation, to freedom. 
They even nicknamed her Moses. And rightfully so. She continually advocated for freedom when it meant putting her own self at risk of losing freedom and losing life. And she went back, and she went back, and she went back, helping to free 70 or more enslaved people. But it's this quote from Harriet that grabbed me. She was quoted to say, when she was asked, why, why are you doing this? This is risky, this is scary. She said, I always told God, I'm gonna hold steady. I'm gonna hold steady on you and you've got to see me through. I'm going to hold steady on you and you've got to see me through. Faithfulness is cultivated when we hold steady on a faithful God. Even up until her death, she fought this fight. But Tubman didn't see her battle resolved on earth. Just like in verse 13, where it says all these people were still living by faith when they died. When they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Tubman, Harriet would see that change from a distance, and yet her faith remained steady on a faithful God. Faithfulness takes cultivation. In my own life, I was raised as a pastor's kid. If there's any PKs in the room, I see you. I'm just a grown-up one, still a PK, raising PKs. Sometimes along that journey, it was a tight journey with Christ. When I came into my college era at Southern Nazarene University, it got a little hard. My spiritual life was not being cultivated in the ways that it should have been cultivated. And there was a season where I did not even have the capacity to know how to begin to pray. God felt so distant from how I was living my daily life. Interestingly enough, no matter what I did on the weekend, I was still in church on Sunday morning, and I think, I'm going to be real honest and transparent because we're just friends here right now, okay? I think it was because I knew I had family in church on Sunday that would pay for my lunch or invite me over and let me do laundry. Hey, that's a college student vibe right there, right? But in that, even in a season where I was not cultivating the things of Christ. The seasoned saints around me picked up that power of faithful prayer and were praying prayers over me that I didn't even know were being prayed. They were sustaining in their faithfulness one of their sisters who was in desperate need to be able to hear from God again. And there was a specific alumni couple, 
a couple who opened up their homes over and over for us to come and do laundry and hang out. And it was in a season where I was at my wit's end. I was in a toxic relationship. The friends that I had were not true friends. It was in this season where one night I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit drawing me back, drawing me closer, drawing me to the only thing that could fill the void that I had, drawing me back to relationship with Christ. I started to utter a prayer. And to be completely honest, it wasn't much of one. It was more tears. It was more this, this cry of, I need you, Lord. I long for you, Lord. I'm sorry for the ways that I have pulled away from you and have tried to avoid your presence, tried to avoid your goodness, that I tried to be shaped in other ways that the world would try to shape me instead of being shaped by you. I went to sleep that night. The tears turned from sadness and lament to tears of joy as I felt the Holy Spirit say, I got you, girl. You are my beloved. There is nothing that can separate you. You are not too far. You have not done too much. You are my beloved. That very next morning, I received a phone call from that alumni couple. I'd actually been working for their business cleaning at night. And in a situation that my significant other, the boyfriend that I was in this toxic relationship with, was also working for the same company. I hear this voice on the other end. He said, Ashley, I have something to tell you. In the buildings that you've been cleaning in, this boyfriend had been going to different floors, and in the offices he'd been stealing information, and there were some not good things happening. As he continued on, the words kind of just became mush and tears started to flow. They started to flow. They started to flow. And he stopped and he was like, Ashley, my wife and I have been praying for you. We are here for you when you are ready. And it was in that moment that I was able to say, I just prayed for a way. I prayed for a way out of the toxicity in my life. I prayed that God would renew me. And you called and you reminded me that God has planted a community around me so I don't have to do this alone. Amen. He helped me. They helped me get out of that toxic relationship helping to hide my car when I needed to not be, my schedule not to be known, right? Providing interaction to help me remain safe in spaces. 
Their faithfulness on my behalf never wavered when my faithfulness was so weak. And it was in that that I learned that faithfulness must be cultivated, not only individually, but corporately as the body of Christ. Because in moments where our brothers and sisters are weak, we can bring them before the Lord with a holy boldness that no one else can. Faithfulness must be cultivated. I had the opportunity to go back to this sweet couple after I graduated, after God had done such a transformational work in my life. I was able to go back and say, it was your prayers. It was the prayers of my parents (laughs) who did not know at the time exactly what all I was going through, but were still praying for their daughter. It was the prayers of a community that sustained me, and I was able to go back as this sweet alumni couple, the gentlemen, um, battled a very short and hard bout of brain cancer, and he's with Jesus now. But I was able to go back and say, thank you. Thank you for showing me the faithfulness of God through his people. It was that example of faithfulness in my own life that then helped me to see how faithfulness should be and can be cultivated in my own life when Ryan and I were expecting our very first child. New parents, and we had just moved from a ministry position that took us from Texas to Florida. And within the first few weeks, we found ourselves bringing a two-pound, four-ounce, premature son into the world in a new space. New doctors, no family nearby. I could tell you every moment of that day, from walking in and thinking, I'm going to be on bed rest for 14 weeks to make sure that this baby cooks long enough, to if we can just make it to the weekend, We're giving you the medicine that will help grow and mature lungs. We're helping you to make it as long as we can. To quickly, at 9.29 that night, we have a son who is attached to tubes to help him breathe, who would lay in our hands with little limbs falling off, right? Little limbs hanging down. Our rings would go all the way up his arm. In this moment, I understood so deeply that faithfulness takes cultivation. Faithfulness, as I prayed, faithfulness for the right medical teams and the right nurses, that God would be over and in and through every person that could help my son. Faithfulness takes cultivation. And I would pray and I would have to have faith that even over these 78 days, if I didn't leave the hospital with that baby boy, that God was still a faithful God. A steadfast and never changing God. 
my faithfulness had to take root in a faithful God and be cultivated. It didn't make it easy. It didn't make it without its ups and downs, but it was a constant, my friends. Going to God, knowing that God is faithful, allows the Holy Spirit to cultivate that faithfulness within us. That two-pound, four-ounce miracle child turned 18 on January 31st. Praise God. He has had quite a journey all on his own, but I can point back to that season being such a fertile ground in my own life that I thank God for every moment. I have watched him with a different lens, and I love all four of my children. Please do not get me wrong. They all have amazing stories, and I see this lens. But over the last year, especially for you guys who have understood what it is to be a senior parent, a senior in high school this year, I have watched how God has moved and worked in his life. This kid has overcome so much. And when I see him, he was drum major of his marching band this year. And when I see him in full uniform, stepping onto the field with this leadership, I immediately go back to that moment where it was the faithfulness of the Lord himself that was breathing breath into this tiny human. Every single breath. I go back and I'm reminded that our faithfulness takes cultivation and our God is a faithful God. So individually, We see how putting ourselves in this posture of prayer cultivates faithfulness. And it's a situation where it's not just this as-we-need-it kind of faithfulness. But it's a posture that we are called to live with 24-7. This posture of prayer, this faithfulness, transforms our lives. It transforms us, and in that personal transformation, we then look outward. We see how this transformation, this faithfulness, this posture of prayer then spills out of us and calls us corporately together. This is where I see Paul. I see Paul writing into this space in this church of Ephesus Because as we cultivate our faith, communicating with our Savior in prayer, we then lift up prayers of praise, prayers of lament that go beyond ourselves. And that's exactly what he was trying to say to the people of Ephesus. That for them to have this posture of faithfulness meant that Paul's deepest desire for the people of God would be that Christ would have this permanent residence, not just a part-time place, but a permanent residence in their hearts. 
Paul's prayer is that Christ would fill them so completely that their heart would be filled and controlled by a love that is far greater than any intellectual knowledge that they can gain. He wanted the readers of this letter to see that you cannot reason your way into understanding God's faithfulness and God's infinite love. It has to come from this indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and a posture of faithfulness and availability. This prayer is also a model for us on how we ought to be praying for our churches today. Not only for our local church, but for the capital C church as well. You can hear the love Paul has for the church in this prayer. And his deep desire for the church is to be who God has called them to be. A people completely filled with the spirit of God and overflowing with God's love so that all generations will come to know Christ. This isn't the prayer that the church is over and done with. This is the prayer that the church still needs. And we can sit around and talk about all that the ways that the church might be not doing what the church should do in our present day. We can acknowledge where it has fallen short. It is right for us to acknowledge where it has fallen short. It is also right for us to acknowledge that God is still at work within the church. God is still shaping and forming a people that know in their inner selves that they are rooted with a love that is beyond comprehension. That we serve a faithful, steady God. And in that, we can come together. Paul's prayer longs for us to be that space, the church of Ephesus and the church of today. And maybe, just maybe, we can grasp this posture of humility and humble ourselves before the Lord as Paul did and cry out to God for God's church and for God to allow in us the ability to make the church be what it is called to be. You guys, this congregation, Pastor Jenny, has been challenging you guys to do this. Your pre-service prayer time is powerful. If you have not yet come, it's an open invitation, right? If you have not come, please come. Prayers are private and intimate. Prayers are communal and public. Prayers shape and form us not only individually, but as the body of Christ. They posture us not only to cultivate faithfulness, but to allow us to see the availability that we can offer our Lord and Savior. 
And that's not just an individual availability. It is a corporate availability. And for those of us who have journeyed with Christ in the long run, I'm hoping that your life has been so incredibly transformed and shaped by this faithful, steadfast God that we serve, by this love that is vast beyond our knowledge. I'm hoping that you have been shaped so transformationally that you want so desperately for that same love, for that same transformation to spill out wherever you go. That is the passion that Paul brings to this space that Paul brings to this letter. This is a prayer that still needs to be prayed over the church because we believe in a God that still has power to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And this God can do a transforming work in the church and through the church. May our faithfulness be cultivated in such a way that as a church, we would ask that Christ would live in our hearts through faith as a result of having these strong roots in love. That we would ask that we would have the power to grasp love's width and height and length and depth and together with all believers that we would know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that we too can be filled entirely with the fullness of God. I'm going to pull a fast one. And again, because I'm married to a worship pastor, I know that this is probably possible. Could we sing Firm Foundation again? Would that be okay? Could we do that like here in a second? Okay. As we were singing the words to this song, it reminded me of this posture. This posture where we are crying out to a firm foundation where we are crying out because we know that we serve a faithful God who has never failed us yet. Who has never failed us. But here's what I want to challenge us to do in this space this morning. I want us to not only sing this as an individual faith, but I want us to see this as a corporate prayer, as a corporate proclamation. The rain came. The wind blew. Our house is built on you. I'm, we're, we're safe with you. You're going to see us through There might be people in this space who are like me in that moment and we can't utter. Even the faith of the mustard seed is too much. It's too much. When we believe that God will never fail, 
when we believe in a faithful God, a steadfast God, we can come to prayer and lift up our brothers and sisters. We can carry them through prayer, through that posture, to the feet of Jesus so they may experience the transformation. But here's the kicker. Our faithfulness is cultivated when we pray those prayers, not only for ourselves, not only for our brothers and sisters, not only for the church, and we release them and know that we might not see the promise here on earth. We might welcome it from afar. Our faithfulness must be cultivated. Not in our own strength, but as a response to God's faithfulness that is everlasting, that is enduring, that is steadfast that will not fail us, that hasn't failed us. Will you stand and will you sing? I don't know if you heard. I would love for us to be able to turn the words, I think, in the bridge to be a little bit more corporate. Rain came, wind blew. Our house is built on you. We're safe here with you. You're going to see us through. If you are in this space this morning, you know that there is power in prayer. If you want to come to the altar, if you want to intercede for someone who you know needs that extra dose of faith, if you want to come to the altar because you have been moved, and like me, you have felt far away if you are needing to find that firm foundation, the altars are open. There's a community here that will pray alongside you. Wherever you find yourself in this journey, God is present, moving in and through this space. Let us lift up our worship through song.